I don't know if you've ever read this one out of the book of Proverbs. Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness or you'll be like him yourself. Have you ever been drawn into a stupid argument? Guilty? Have you ever started a stupid argument? Yes. All right, so we know what this is getting at. All right? when, when somebody is just argumentative, you know they're not really going to listen. You know they're just going to argue for their point of view and they will go down fighting for it. It's just saying, don't get into that or you're just going to be as bad as that person who's in that frame of mind and who is uh, approaching things that way. The very next verse in Proverbs 26, answer a fool according to his foolishness or else he'll become wise in his own eyes. All right, so I want you to notice there, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness. Okay, that's how you should do it. On the very next verse, answer a fool according to his foolishness. The very opposite advice. And what's the reason this time? Because if you don't, and if that person just gets to rabbit on or continue on in the path that they've chosen, and nobody shows up that their way of thinking and the way of living is foolish, then they'll just think that they must be the expert and everyone's listening to me and everyone's agreeing with me and I must be right. So can you feel the kind of tension of, well, which is it? Am I supposed to get involved in that stupid argument, even though he's probably not going to listen and it's probably just going to degenerate? Or do I um, stay clear of that? Well, the problem with staying clear of that is he could just continue on in that silly opinion and who knows whose lives might be damaged by the way that person lives and the things that that person says that don't go challenged. This is a conundrum. So we've been looking at reconciliation over uh, the last few weeks and this is how God instructs us and his heart is for us to be reconciled both to him and to each other. And we've covered the fact as we've gone through this series that true reconciliation has got to be grounded in the truth. True reconciliation, not just simply getting along, but true reconciliation, coming together as one, only happens in the truth of knowing who God is and what God says and who he has created us to be. That's what reconciliation is really all about, according to the Bible. It's about agreeing together in the truth. And when we do that, it creates a new kind of family. I don't know if you um, remember Philippians where it calls us to be one in spirit and purpose. And when you feel that, you could be away at a sporting weekend and you know there's something different about this. When you are one in spirit and purpose with people, there's a unity, a sense of family that nurtures each other in the truth. And you can know these things, you can know them up here, but to actually live them out and allow them to make a difference in your life is quite another thing altogether. Have you ever been in that situation where you've gone, I just don't know what to do? We've all been there, haven't we? And it doesn't matter how many courses you've been to, how many Bible verses you can recite, how much advice you've received, how many self-help books you've read. Sometimes life is so complicated, you're just going, ah, oh, if I go this way, this could happen. But if I go that way... The other thing could happen, just like Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5, it seems whichever way I go, things aren't going to go well. Um, or whichever way I go, things could turn out well. So how do I know what to do in any situation that I find myself in in life? Well, the Bible calls that ability to know which way to go and the ability to actually walk it out well, it talks about that as wisdom. So if you think of truth as what I believe, wisdom is then how I behave. It's how I walk it out. And growing in wisdom is essential if we're going to live in right relationship with God and with each other. 
Um, it takes some learning of how to make this thing work in practice. So we're going to turn to the book of the Bible that has a lot to say about wisdom today. Um, and I hope that you will uh, be encouraged as we just kind of skim the, the beginnings of it and, and, and dip our toe in it. Uh, I hope you'll be encouraged to dive more deeply in your own life. It's the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So if you go to the middle of your Bible and then flick forward a little bit, uh, you'll find it. The book of Proverbs, it'd be great for you to read along in your own copies uh, because I'll put the words on the screen like I usually do, uh, but then I'll refer back to it and if you have it in front of you, it'll be really, really helpful. So Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, the first six verses. This is how the book of Proverbs is introduced. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness and justice and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning. Let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. So what's that talking about? As Solomon is uh, speaking to his audience through the Proverbs, and most of the Proverbs come from Solomon, but not all of them, and it makes it clear that where different authors are contributing. But as Solomon is somebody who's been given wisdom from God, is writing these uh, sayings for us, his goal is to produce a community where people are speaking wisdom and hearing wisdom and helping each other to live life well helping each other to put the, the truth of God into practice in their lives. So as you see those little silhouettes on the screen, different people are going to be at different stages. Some have, have kind of grasped more of God's truth than others. But as you come together in a community, your hope is that whatever stage you're at, none of you are yet perfect, but your hope is that you're going to draw each other further into God's truth, to teach each other, to learn from each other, um, and grow in wisdom as you do. He's speaking to those who are already wise, as you heard, and he's speaking to those who are inexperienced. They're all invited into this community that is growing in wisdom as they share four different types of things. And I don't know if you picked them up as we went through, uh, but I'm going to list them for you because they're all really important. There were some different flavours of the way that we speak and listen to one another that Solomon uh, mentions at the beginning of this book. And all of them has a really great role in how we learn from each other. So the first thing uh, as a flavour of how we can hear wise words in our lives was Proverbs which makes sense because the whole book is called Proverbs. And a proverb is simply a wise saying. It's usually something brief, it's memorable, it's useful in everyday life. And you'll see some in the book soon. Uh, you heard a couple read earlier. Um, but before we dive into the biblical ones, can you think of any proverbs that have helped you in your life? Like I remember my nana saying, and I've shared this numerous times, because right from being a really, really young child, I remembered my nana saying this, and I remembered it coming back to me in moments when I wasn't doing it, and going, ooh, I, I need to change course here. And those words were, if you can't say anything nice... Yeah, so you heard the same one, right? Don't say anything at all. What a great saying. When you're in the middle of one of those arguments, or when you're talking about somebody, oh, that, that player is such a dirty... And you go, oh, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. It's just a nice little summary of a whole bunch of biblical principles, but it's just stated briefly and very, very practically. And when you know it like that, because you've heard it so many times, then in those moments you can go, oh, I'm going to choose the wise life now 
instead of the foolish life. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in the world remembered that proverb at the moment they needed it? So if you're sitting next to somebody that you're um, brave enough to talk to, um, maybe you could remember one proverb that you've learnt in your life, one short saying that has been a good one for you to remember. I'm going to give you uh, 13 seconds. That should be long enough. Uh, share a proverb with one another that's been helpful in your life. All right, it's great to see your um, smiling faces as you chat. Picture tells a thousand words, so obviously... Uh, I just snuck in one there, but um, uh, obviously you, you know them. Here's another flavour of wisdom that you've experienced in your life, and especially when you think of the teaching of Jesus, you go, this is so powerful, and that's parables. Um, and a parable can be a story that is um, made up in order to teach uh, a, a powerful truth, or it may be an actual story, but the story conveys truth in such a way that the story is retold as a way of illustrating this is a true principle for life. So it's simply teaching through telling stories. And every society has collections of stories that they use to teach important lessons. So um, you might look at the Old Testament and, and see some stories, uh, for example, of oh, the flood. And you might say, you know what, God is serious about our sin. He doesn't want to turn a blind eye to the way we treat others. The Father is a powerful story of that. You might think of a story of faith. You might think of Gideon. Or or There's so many stories that teach you a principle. Um, And there are stories, of course, that Jesus told, like a a pearl uh, of great price that a merchant found or a treasure hidden in a field. And they're meant to teach you something really, really valuable. Um, I think probably the most um, famous stories are things like the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son. Uh, So many stories. Haven't you been shaped by stories as you've read them from the Bible, as you've listened to Jesus? And I wonder what the stories have been in your own life. Um, I love hearing people share. Um, This morning uh, I was hearing some uh, stories from people who had researched uh, things that happened in Burma during the Second World War, Um, and just the stories of what people endured. And when we hear that stuff, it teaches us some lessons In some cases, things that we never want to see happen again and being serious about making sure that we don't just blindly let those things develop in our our world. Um, But they teach us lessons that are important. Parables are a great way uh, to to learn. I wonder, can you think of any parable that is common in our society um, but doesn't come from the Bible? Can you think of any other parables that get told? Sorry. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. So, so what's a fable that, that comes to mind? The fox and the grapes. The fox and the grapes. I don't know if I know that one. I was thinking the boy who cried wolf. Um, there's, so um, aren't, they, aren't they great in shaping your, your knowledge and the, and the lessons that you can live by? Next, we have words of the wise um, as we read through Proverbs 1.6. What words of the wise... What would a wise person say if you came to them for advice? Now, if you go to somebody and say, this is what I'm facing right now, what might they say to you? Um, in uh, the times when Proverbs was written, you might go to the city gate where the elders were gathered and you might bring to them your problem and you'd listen to them speak into that. 
Or as you sat in a place like that and they were talking about current issues, things that are affecting everybody in the community, what sort of things might they be saying? How can you learn from people who have accumulated wisdom as they think about what's going on in the world or as they think about what's going on in your situation and impart their wisdom to you? You're not going to go to ignorant people. You're not going to go to people who just tell you what you want to hear. If you're serious about wisdom, you'll go to people who have demonstrated wisdom, who actually know what they're talking about um, and can be trusted to have a wise opinion. That's the next thing that uh, we can turn to, people who have insightful minds and careful speech, people who are worth listening to. And the last thing that was mentioned in Proverbs 1 as a way of communicating wisdom was riddles. Now, has anyone ever watched the Batman, like the TV show or the movies? Don't think that guy, all right? We're not talking that kind of riddle, but they're kind of close, all right? So a riddle is simply a question that unveils something that was hidden. You know, literally, the phrase means dark sayings. So there are saying that when you hear them, it's like, what is that all about? And the purpose of a question like that is to cause you to think things through deeply. What is that saying? Why, why did you say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way? And to actually do the hard work of thinking things through yourself as somebody asks you the right kinds of questions to help you take your next step in figuring things out, of really understanding what's going on inside or really thinking deeply about what's going on outside, to consider somebody else's point of view and, and to look at things from outside your own point of view. Questions can be amazingly powerful in our lives. And again, you want to see somebody do that really well? Just go read the Gospels. Just go look at the kinds of questions Jesus asked and how they changed a whole conversation. And he had some beauties. So those are some flavours of wisdom. You have proverbs, you have parables, words of the wise and riddles. And they're all really different from each other. But you've experienced in your own life, I hope, that all of them have something really powerful to teach you when you're open to hearing them spoken into your life. And if you're ever in a situation where you want to help somebody who needs wisdom, it might be that just telling them what they ought to do, even if they are wise words, which is that third one, it might be that that's not the best way to teach wisdom. It might be exactly what they need. But maybe they actually need a question that will help them be more receptive to the truth and to see what's actually going on and why they are being resistant to the truth. It might be that a story, do you remember the prophet Nathan with King David? It might be a story where you get through their defences by helping people see it out here and then go, oh, actually, that's a lot like in here. Um, whatever it might be, there are so many great tools at our disposal when we just look at those four ways of communicating wisdom. They can be a massive blessing to us. They get us using different parts of our brains, different parts of our imagination, different parts of our reasoning, and unlock what faith can do in each of those parts of who we are. And we want to be a part of a community that is learning how to use those things really well. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. But as the book of Proverbs begins, it doesn't just say, okay, gang, we want to be doing this with each other so that we can all be wise. Um, it doesn't finish that little section at verse 6. It finishes at verse 7. And verse 7 is critically important. It says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So those four tools that we've just talked about, um, they are just tools. They don't guarantee that you're actually going to be able to impart true wisdom to each other. Solomon says exactly what we've been seeing in the New Testament. That if you want wisdom, if you want truth, you've got to actually remember that you don't have it yet. 
unless you turn to God. You've got to seek truth in him. That's where it's found. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't trust your own judgment. Look for the um, wisdom from the Lord because the fear of the Lord, that healthy reverence, the recognition that he is so much wiser than we are, he is so much more powerful, he's so much worthy of our respect and our obedience. When you see God rightly, then you're able to learn from him the wisdom you need and you're able to put it into practice when there's a part of you that says, I don't want to do that. Well, since God is God and he tells me to, I will and you reap the benefits of a wise life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And that sets the tone for the rest of the book of Proverbs, which is consistently contrasting the wise life, which seeks truth in God, and the foolish life, which rebels against God's truth. And if you read through, I really would encourage you, if you read through the first three chapters of Proverbs, you see this theme over and over and over again in those first three chapters. And probably most well-known, is this little section from Proverbs 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Man, would my life be different if at key moments I didn't do what I thought was right, but I stepped back and thought, how is God actually shaping what I think and what I do in this moment? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. And in some version it says, acknowledge him. But basically what it says is, don't be blind to God as you go through life. Whatever's going on, think about, well, where's God in this? What's God saying? What's God putting on my heart? What's in the Bible that I can uh, remember and apply in this moment? In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Great words to live by. So the book of Proverbs is all about encouraging people to listen to and live by God's wisdom, to turn away from the temptation to go our own way instead. It's about building a community of people who are skilled at helping each other do that using those four tools that we looked at earlier. So now that we know that, so now that you've got a bit of an introduction of, to what the book of Proverbs is all about, let's go back to Proverbs 26 and look at those two verses that seem to contradict each other. And it's not just a, oh, let's find a problem in the Bible and solve it. This is actually a really important life lesson that these verses have to teach. So just to remind you, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness or you'll be like him yourself. But on the other hand, answer a fool according to his foolishness or he'll become wise in his own eyes. And this is a conundrum. They are both right, both are true. What do we do about it? We've all been caught up in those stupid arguments that don't solve up anything and we just get all stirred up and we end up revolving around those arguments instead of getting on with the things that we're supposed to be doing. Um, just come to my house when it's time to do dishes. You might see a bit of that going on. Lissy's the only one here, so I can probably get away with that. Um, and she just looked up and said, what? But it happens. Uh, and we all, we've all seen what happens when no one speaks up, when somebody is sprouting their ignorant opinions or when somebody is demanding something from somebody or treating somebody in a certain way and no one speaks up and says, no, that, that is not actually right. We've been in those situations where people seem to think that they're an expert or think that they have the right to do whatever they want because nobody spoke up. So we, we don't want the consequences of either of those things, either joining somebody in their foolishness or letting things go on that are foolish and wrong without being challenged. And on the one hand, these verses simply point out that there's no one rule for this stuff. 
that you're going to have to rely on wisdom from God to know which to do in each situation. Do I speak up? Do I stay quiet? If I speak up, how do I do it? And so on. But there's actually a bigger truth that, are being, that is being told here. And the point of these two verses being placed together um, is, is actually seen in the whole passage, not just in these two verses. Um, it's almost like these two verses are part of a storyline which is saying, man, when you're dealing with a foolish person, it's like you can't win. Do you know what that feels like? No matter what I do with this person at work, with this person in my family, uh, I just feel like I can't win. And that's part of a greater discussion on how much of a pain fools are for everybody. So um, it goes from verse 1 of Proverbs 26 and goes right up to verse 11. Let me just give you a few uh, glimpses into that from uh, verse 8. Uh, it says, giving honour to a fool is like binding a stone in a sling. Do you know what a sling is? Uh, so when I was young we had gings, they're not the same thing. A sling, a strap of leather in a, in a cord and you swing it around and you let go of one end of the cord and the stone goes and hits something. Now if you're a shepherd uh, and you have a sling, uh, that's really useful if you know, a wolf or a lion or a bear or something comes along, a rabbit, um, and it's going to you know, pester your sheep. Um, you can use your sling and get rid of that thing. Um, the whole point is that the stone's got to leave the sling or else why do you have the sling? Right? It's kind of obvious. Now, when you bind the stone in the sling, it looks like you've got the tool. It looks like you're ready to go. You can whiz that thing around your head and you're fooling everybody, but you let go of one end and the stone is bound into it. What's going to happen? It's probably just going to whiz around and smack you in the face. Right? <laughs> that's what it would do if it was me. Um, and that's kind of the comical picture of like a fool with wise sayings, these proverbs and parables. It's like, hey, when you honour a person because, man, they really know what they're talking about. They, they know a lot of proverbs. They've got a lot of wisdom. Are they actually applying it in life to do its job? Because when you honour somebody who can just sprout off a lot of things but isn't actually living wisely, then all you're doing is, is just setting people up for failure. Does that make sense? So be careful who you honour. Be careful who you hold up as an example. It's not the people who sound good that matter. It's whether they have real wisdom that counts. Next one that we uh, come across, let's uh, have a look at verse 9. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a stick with thorns brandished by the hand of a drunkard. I just love the creativity behind these proverbs, right? So, again, wise saying in the mouth of a fool, whether it's a proverb, whether it's a parable, whether it's something that they heard the elders at the gate say, uh, and, and so they've got these, this wisdom that they can spout off, but because they don't actually have wisdom to live well, they use the wrong proverb at the wrong time, and instead of actually building people up and giving people wisdom, it's actually doing more damage than help. Now, if you can visualise somebody with a sharp stick wandering around kind of in a stupor and just branding shit wherever, you don't want to be anywhere near that, right? And you don't want to be around people who, who just sprout off things in your situation as though they know what you ought to do and they could be completely out of line. How do you feel when that happens? Don't you feel misjudged? Don't you feel unheard? Don't you feel, oh, well, that's your opinion, but it's not very helpful. You don't want to be that kind of person, but that's exactly the kind of person that a fool is. And, and let's go to one more graphic example. Um, this is, again, proverbs, they're meant to be memorable. So here's another memorable one. As a dog returns to its vomit, so also a fool repeats his foolishness. So when you've got somebody who lives foolishly, who doesn't live according to God's truth, and who, who just makes mistakes 
uh, in their life that they shouldn't be making, they should know better, what do you tend to notice? That it's usually just not a once-off, is it? They tend to come back around and make the same mistake over and over. And if you're in their life and you're trying to help them to stop doing that, who's been in that situation? Whether it's parenting, whether it's you know, a friend, a colleague, whatever they might be, and you want to help them to, to stop that addiction or to stop that damaging behaviour or to that terrible attitude. But they just came to, seem to keep coming back around to it, no matter how much you try and help them grow out of it. And that's exactly what this proverb is talking about. Now, we're getting a pretty dim view of the fool here, aren't we? All right, and let's, let's look at the last verse in this section of chapter 26. Do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than them. So if you're one of those people who was kind of waggling the finger and saying, those fools, you know, those people who, you know, they might know wise sayings, but they don't apply them very well. Um, or, you know, they get into stupid arguments all the time. Or, and if you don't say anything, they think that they're an expert and they just continue on with their dumb opinions. You know, and and they, they do all this damage and, oh, such a pain. And if you're the person who thinks that you can look down on them because you know better, then you're wise in your own eyes. And there's more hope for the fool than for you. It's a little bit sobering, isn't it? Because a fool who recognises their foolish choices and their foolish attitudes and their foolish uh, positions on things and all that kind of stuff, at least they can turn to somebody for help. And ultimately they can turn to God and say, God, I'm not, I'm, I just can't do this on my own. I'm, I'm not getting it right. I keep repeating the same mistakes. And I'm getting caught up in stupid arguments and I'm, and I'm trying to give good advice and it seems like people are saying that's not helpful and I, I just don't, I'm not getting it right. And they can turn to God and say, will you help me? And you're better off being in that situation than thinking, no, I'm going to go. I've got this figured out. I know what they ought to do. I know what kind of a mess that person's making of their life. I know what they should have done in that situation. You are worse off than the fool. And we've got to hear the Proverbs making that really sober point. Because it's deliberately got us all fired up and then it's hit us with that bang. But the fool's better off than you who are wise in your own eyes. Because remember how did Proverbs start? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In your all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Look to God. And then the very next verse, don't be wise in your own eyes. Because that's just going to get in the way of that. It's going to stop you from experiencing what it's like to have God show you what you need to know. You're better off considering yourself a fool than being wise in your own eyes. I can be somebody who turns others into fools by getting into silly arguments with them. I can be somebody who's wise in my own eyes. If others agree with me, I can feel like a bit of an expert. I can be somebody who likes to be honoured for what I know, even if I'm not putting it into practice very well. And I can hurt people by saying things that might be true, but they weren't the right truth for that situation. And I repeat my mistakes far more often than I would like. And when you're able to acknowledge that about yourself, then you're able to turn to God for help. I'm the fool in this passage. I own it. But I know who can help me. I know how I can grow. And that's what Solomon is trying to get through to us. Wisdom and understanding is found in Jesus. And when I lean not in my own understanding but trust the Lord with all my heart, there's hope for me. I can do better next time. Because God is a good God and he wants to show me the right paths. And he will do that. I love the way James uh, has a promise for us 
in that area. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, and if you see yourself in those verses that we read earlier, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. God's not looking at us going, man, why aren't you doing better? Um, if you've had to go through the process of being on L plates, uh, sometimes we think about God as that assessor at the end. He's got the checkboard. Do you get this right? Do you get that right? Do you get that right? Do you get that right? And you're trying to pass to get what you need from them, which is your licence. God's not that character in your story. God's the instructor alongside you who's helping you to learn and grow and get across the line of how to live wisely. That's the role he's playing. Maybe today, as we finish up, um, and I was really keen, and when I plan things out, because I often have plans that God doesn't agree with, my plan today was to give you some very practical tools to help you do those four things that we talked about earlier. Um, but as I continued to study uh, the Proverbs um, and read through a whole bunch of the book, I recognised that underneath all of that, it kept coming back to this central theme. You've got to see yourself as the person in need. You've got to get your heart right first. So that's what we focused on today. But maybe as we go out from today, maybe you can talk with each other about how some of those four things have been used in your life. How has somebody shared a story with you that's shaped you? What's a proverb that somebody taught you that's made a difference in your life? When did you hear some wise words that were just right for your situation? Because you were brave enough to ask somebody for some godly counsel. Um, and, and maybe somebody's asked some questions of you that have set you back on your heels and gone, ooh. I hadn't thought about it that way. And help you to see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And I wonder if we shared that with each other over uh, a cuppa after the service, whether that might help us to grow into the kind of community that is doing what Solomon is seeking to encourage in this book. Be a community of people, wherever our starting point is, we recognise that we're not there yet. However much I've learnt, I've still so much more to learn. There are still some areas of foolishness bound up in me. But as I allow people to point me to Jesus and to hear from him in those different ways, then I grow in wisdom. And everyone in my life benefits when that happens. Let's pray.